right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. It's presented by CarParts.com. We thank him for it. That is the easiest way to get parts dropped to your front door, back door, shop door. Easy to get online. The mobile experience waiting on you right now. CarParts.com. Kevin, I'm fired up for today. I'm a little fired up and I'm a little, you know how you always had that one kid in your subdivision or your school that was like the guy to be friends with because he always had the coolest toys, coolest stuff. Like, man, let's go over to... Terry's house. Terry's got all the cool toys. <laughs> Terry's got all the fast stuff. He's got mini bikes. Let's go. He's got go karts. Terry's got everything, <laughs> man. Oh, I am fired up today, and and I'm feeling you. There's a little bit of a jelly going on. Man. A little jealous, a little <sighs> man. But it's okay because we're friends with Terry, yeah. so we can still go to Terry's house and play anytime right. we want. Uh, as long as he's in the mood to have us over. so I was like, man, you got an extra big wheel? You got <laughs> you got something I could use, bro? What are you tired of? <laughs> and we're talking about toys. You know, yeah, I mean, it might be cool to go back in time and play with some G.I. Joes or, you know, Star Wars action figures. But we're talking about corner carver toys, man. Like yeah. big boy toys, like the real deal. The awesome stuff that gets us fired up every day, man. And uh Terry Fair, I met, God, I don't know how many years ago, uh, and he was kind of like one of the first guys getting into these swaps, right? LS swaps, you know, now there's Coyote swaps. And, uh, you know, I was doing my little uh, E30 BMW M3, you know, with my LS3, uh, kind of pushing the envelope a little bit harder on my end because the dang thing was so small, you know, so a swap yeah. isn't a just pull out and pull it in. It's just carve out, reshape, you know, the whole bit. But, uh, you know, I caught Terry online, uh, doing some of the first really killer, really well done swaps uh, so long ago. And he has grown not only uh, just swapping everything and doing it in such a you know professional, high quality manner. Right. Dude, he is all about corner carving no matter what type of car you have. Uh, and it could be a BMW, it could be Corvette, it could be Camaro, it could be Mustang, it could be Porsche. This guy knows how to wheel. He knows how to drive. He's always on the track. And, man, he can take anything and make it faster than you know what. Yeah, man. And you know what? He's only been doing it 18 freaking years. He's done over 400 full LS swap kits. Like, that's saying something. Like, me and my friends, we've done a few LS swaps. He's done over 400 kits. <laughs> uh, that is definitely saying something. Not to mention everything else he's got is. You know, his hands elbow deep in from arrow on cars. Like, if you could design arrow packages, I'm like, you guys got to realize, right? 
Um, I, I like some of the long track course. I like eighth mile racing. I like quarter mile racing. I just like racing, right? Aero is such a big part of that, especially you know you're, when you're getting some of the fast speeds. You wouldn't believe it's like pushing any car that looks slick on the outside is like pushing a garage door when you're going 200 miles an hour through the air. Um, and man, what he's doing just on aero packages, on LS kits, on anything fast, on you know transmissions that we're just being able to order up in our cars. He was banging gears on a while back, man. So. It's uh, it really is gonna be cool to pick his brain and get some, well, just learn some knowledge, get some facts. Well, yeah, I mean, between what he's doing racing and all kinds of different series to his customers and what they're doing, I mean, this guy knows pretty much every race series out there, from hardcore racing to the, you know, like Optima style, where you're taking a street car and kind of doing that in between street car and race car deal. Uh, so this guy knows the ins and outs of every type of go fast car. Uh, so, man, I am fired up. This is going to be a riot. Hey, I tell you what. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break, all right? And then we come back, we're going to have Terry on with us. But you guys know this, man. It's You don't know the person next to you on the on-ramp or at the red light really, truly wants to race you. Uh, but it's better to be safe than a loser, all right? We'll see you in just a minute on the Two Guys Garage Podcast. But Kevin Bird will be back in just a minute. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. It's presented by CarParts.com. You've used them, right, Kev? Oh, man. Yeah. Like, this is the simplest, easiest way, man. It, it doesn't get any easier, and you're saving big money. That's what's awesome, right? You can be right. anywhere at any time and go, oh, I got to go to a couple parts. Bing. Click. Easy interface online. Your parts are on their way. Front door, back door, anywhere you need them dropped off, and you just saved a ton of time and a ton of money, man can't beat carparts.com that way. Hey, you know, right now the car industry is, well, I, I bet Terry could tell. Terry, you, you answer this question. Do you guys find it tough getting parts for anything right now with everything that's happened? Like, car parts is yes. tough, man, especially getting them to arrive at your door. It's like, where are they at? Where are they at? It, it's, it's materials, it's car parts, it's everything, for sure. Wow, man. All right, well, tell us a little bit about your background. Tell us what Terry Fair is. Just the owner. We asked him a second ago, like, what would you like to be referred to in your official title? He's like, ah, just the owner and CEO. <laughs> I told you, man. Terry's got all the toys, man. <laughs> Borschlag Motorsports. You guys got to go look them up and all the righteous stuff that they're doing. So, Terry, how did you get started? And uh, you got to tell these people, how'd you come up with the name? So, I got started really in high school. I started, uh, I ended up in an autocross on accident and just got hooked. And I was a drag racer all through high school and still, you know, did that for many years and got to college and really enjoyed motorsports. And, you know, where I went to school at Texas A&M, we had Texas World Speedway, which was like a super speedway and a road course. And I just got completely immersed in motorsports during my time in school. And I just loved it. And then I went to work, you know, in a normal corporate job and just hated it. And after about a decade. Wait, hold on. You're skipping a very important fact here, Terry, because if you're totally... Just it, just engulfed with motorsports in college. Do you have a girlfriend, bro, in college? I did. I met her at the racetrack. And I married okay, her. Okay, that's, that's a home run, oh, Terry. man. Dreams, dreams can come true, y'all. That's right, yeah. And she's a national champion uh, uh, autocrosser and nice. runs time trials. Has That's her race car right here. 
behind That's me, how so. you do it, y'all. That's yeah. how you do it. Living the big life, man. <laughs> Living the big life. Golly, checking all the boxes. Yeah, no, she's she's my business partner. She does all of her accounting, does a lot of stuff. No, she's awesome. Oh, she runs CNC machines. She was running them two nights ago. So yeah. You're killing me here, yeah. man. But I gotta call you out. Yeah. You know, you said you accidentally showed up in an autocross, and I'm thinking. Yeah, it's like I accidentally tried heroin right. for the first time, right? <laughs> you know, so, just saying. Yeah, I, I'm a junior in high school, and a buddy of mine that we're drag racers, you know, up in Dallas when we went to school, and his brother was at Texas A&M, and he said, you guys, you know, we're coming back from spring break, Padre Island, having a ball. We're in his 72 Nova, you know, three-speed, rubber floor mats, white walls, just this, you know, stripped-out drag car, and we stopped through and he says, you got to come check this thing out. He's trying to describe, you know, you drive around a parking lot and there's cones. That just sounds silly. We get out there and I ride with two or three guys that I'm still friends with to this day, 30 years later. And it was just a life-changing oh, experience. So you, you just aggressive on the brakes and turning and cornering and just laying rubber down. And, and at the end of the event, they said, hey, you guys want to make some fun runs? And it's raining at this point, and I'm on white walls in this old Nova, nice. and I had the most fun of my life. And I was like, okay, I'm not even applying to school anywhere else. I'm just going here. And then I get there and immediately find Texas Speedway. I worked out there off and on through college. I uh, got to do some you know, car tests, long-term driving tests out there. It was just a dream come true. And they had a big sports car club there. You know, I ended up being the president, vice president, autocross chairman, and did just, just ended up being president. I don't know. It's, it's by accident. I set this new world record. I just happened to end up as president. <laughs> He's all like the Forrest Gump of automotive performance. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just happened to like marry this girl and she runs my CNC right, right, and does yeah. my accounting and she's like a badass driver. I just happened to, you know. A lot of luck, man. A lot of luck. It, it was a good group of guys there and I really had a lot of fun and, uh, you know, my four-year degree was six and a half years because I kind of stretched it out. Yeah, you know, be, know being in the sports car club kind of was a full-time job, and I had a full-time job and going to school, so it was tough. But I don't regret it. Having a lot of fun, met some you know lifelong friends that ended up in motorsports from F1 to NASCAR to a little bit of everything, IndyCar. So I've got some really good friends, and that have helped me over the years and and, and helped me you know build this company and, and put point in the right direction. Hey, you know what, Terry? Um, look, man, I'm sure you got a lot of trophies, a lot of awards, but we're going to pick your brain. What sure. are the top top three things? You know, I love autocross stuff, too. It's, it, sure. You're right. It is a blast. It's crazy. You can put us in cones in a parking lot and have that much freaking yeah. fun. Uh, if it was any more fun, we had to import it from Mexico. Um, <laughs> but t tell me this, man. What are the top three things that people can do to go faster at an autocross, in your opinion? Having so much seat time. Um, give us maybe some perspective on the car, maybe something that a lot of people commonly miss or don't adjust right to something that as a driver, um, that, that we do. I remember when I first started taking my hands off the wheel, I remember when I was first driving, when, when somebody was like, take your hands off the wheel. And I was like, what are you crazy? But it, it comes back to neutral faster than, you know, you're trying to turn it with your, <laughs> your hand. First time somebody told me that I thought they were, they had been drinking. Yeah. Um, so what, what are some things that, that people commonly miss to make them and help them go faster uh, during an autocross competition? You know, autocross is so much about the driver. I, I can't think of another motorsport where the driver can make a bigger difference. I mean, road course is super technical and there's a lot going on there too, but you know, horsepower is a bigger factor. Horsepower is almost not a factor at all in autocross. It's all about being aggressive and smooth at the same time, which is kind of hard to explain and to see it. It's a weird know? one. Yeah. yeah. There's a 
quite a difference between those two, really, right? It, it, and I always call it, you know, water crossing is like a knife fight in a phone booth. You, you've got a lot going on. You got a lot of corners really stacked up on top of each other. Uh, I think, you know, being smooth and, and aggressive, never coasting. You're, you're either on the gas or on the brakes at all times. You know, one or the other, sometimes a little bit of both. Uh, looking ahead, because it's really easy to get lost in an autocross. It's just a sea of cones until, you know, you walk the course and memorize it. So looking ahead and just, you know, not getting behind. Uh, like a slalom, it's real easy to enter and you're a quarter second off. And then the rest of the slalom is just, just totally jacked up. So it's 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 a lot about driver. And on the car side, tires is almost everything. Uh, the dampers and spring rates is a huge, huge aspect. And then things like gearing and, and transmission type are, are probably the third biggest thing. Now, how would you... How would you, uh, you know, shift that to a track day, you know, a racetrack or whatever? Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I started doing track days just a couple of years after I did my first autocross. It's still in the late eighties. And, uh, you know, it's just getting seat time is really crucial. Uh, and, and making sure that you're comfortable with, you know, braking and, and accelerating and turning and, and, you know, all the aspects through a corner. Uh, and again, never coasting. Coasting is you know slow. I, I say coasting is death. Um, and then just making sure you're you know aware of your surroundings. You, you know, situational awareness is is huge. Somebody's catching you from behind. You need to know way before they're on you, so that nothing happens. And and same thing when you're catching somebody like in a in a time attack or time trial uh, event. If you've got to pass somebody or be passed, both of your laps are blown. So one of you've got to back off and get out of the way so that, you know, if somebody's on a hot lap, they can get their lap in. One of y'all at least gets a good lap. So that's situational awareness is a big thing. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's a million things going on, but I, I still think, and, I, and I've been instructing with NASA and SCCA for, for decades and instructing new, you know, hundreds of new students that have never done this before. And your first events are really, you know, it's really daunting. It's really you know, scary. The speeds are higher. You know, things can happen and you just got to trust your instructor. And and once you get out of the groups where they give you an instructor, sometimes you got to actually pay somebody to coach you because this is not a skill you can teach yourself. It's not something you watch a YouTube video or read a book and be like, oh, I'm an expert at road course driving. No, it's something you've got to learn firsthand and have somebody show you the weird skill sets, the heel toe downshifting you all talked about in your last pod. You know, that's a really tricky skill to master when you're three pedaling it out there. Uh, the, the DCT stuff makes it a lot easier. Automatics make it easier, but they come with their own baggage. So there's there's a lot of weird skills that you just got to practice. And and what's helped me is I, you know, I'll practice that on the street a little bit too. So I got a good one for you. So yep. there's all kinds of different uh, turns, elevation, decreasing radius, all that on a track. And so for somebody that's kind of getting on a track that you know can handle the car pretty well, but there's a few of those scenarios that are let's say a little bit more scary you know where you can snap over steer or whatnot so what kind of uh you know corner or scenario would you say are some of the most uh potentially dangerous for a newer you know driver and then how would you let's say build up that skill set to overcome that you know whether it's right along with someone else you know kind of understand where their break point are you know there is or or an instructor that's you know, kind of walking you through the procedures. I mean, are there any other ways to sneak up on some of those scary ones? And what, what are the ones that you would most uh, flag for somebody to to try not to get themselves uh, caught in and end up in a tire barrier and a wall? Sure. It, it really kind of depends on the course. And there's a lot of courses, especially on the East Coast, that have a lot of uh, concrete barriers 
where there's not a lot of room for, for air, you know, Road Atlanta and Watkins Glen, some of those tracks, you just can't push the car 10 tenths as you're learning. And a lot of times I'll tell people, hey, you really need to work on your car control and some, you know, corner judgment. Let's go learn that in a parking lot in an autocross and take that skill set, slow it down a little bit on the road course, smooth it out. So, you know, the, the skills are hard to learn when the track itself is, is daunting. But, you know, tracks here in Texas, we don't have concrete walls. We have a lot of runoff. You've seen like Circuit of the Americas, they paved acres of, of asphalt. So you can get away with a little bit more on different tracks. But anytime you've got a, a blind corner or a corner with a wall or something like that is scary. And that's when you just got to trust your instructor and just work your way up. Not, you know, it, the worst thing is when I get in a car with a student and they're super aggressive right off the bat. I'm like, whoa, 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 we've got to calm way down and let's slowly work our speeds up. Not let's. Let's not try to go in at 200 miles an hour. Let's let's work our way up. And, and that's just a, a thing you have to have trust. Your instructor and your student has to listen. And if they don't, we're like, let's go in the pits and talk. You know, you're, you're scaring me. I'm putting my life on the line, riding right seat with you. And a lot of people don't want to do that because it is, it is kind of spooky. But yeah, blind corners, uh, a decreasing radius corner is a really easy way to, you go in fast and you're slowing down through the corner. It's really easy to, to run out of corner and you're off track so there's there's several corner types that can be tricky um, over hills and such like that where you can upset the car in the wet is is always scary so we always start really slow now is is there any advice you could give somebody at home like you know mentally uh like i i tend to practice at little shifter cart race places you know uh which which i, I think i think is great practice only because like you said, if you're ever coasting, right, you're wrong. I'm either on that transition of brake into gas uh, and vice versa. So, it, it, you know, I, I feel like anytime you can just practice, right, because the, the theory applies across all boards. What about advice What about advice that people may be listening uh, and they don't have the opportunity necessarily to, to get to a track? Is there anything that you could, you could tell them that they could – mentally sort of get their head in the game with or at least try to understand so that when they get to the track they're more you know they're more knowledgeable when they strap themselves in that seat sure no Willie, you had a great point there with karting that is a great place to practice and there's kart tracks all over the country where you can you know rent a really fast kart yeah. and non-shifter ones can really teach you a lot and it's the same you know corner entry corner exit braking that all is the same it's a little bit truncated and different in karting that's a great thing uh, two, you've got driving simulation, you know, iRacing, and, and there's several other uh, Forza, and there's other uh, software simulators that people are building, especially during the last year of pandemic where people couldn't go race in some areas. They built these sim rigs up for a few hundred bucks and at a computer with sometimes with a, a multiple monitor setup, and uh, you can learn the track ahead of time. They have most tracks in the U.S. that are, you know, frequented by uh, HPDE groups and, and competition groups, almost all of those are in some form of racing simulator. So you've got that. And then third and finally, um, I always, when I'm going to a new track I've never driven before, I always look for videos on YouTube um, from fast people and I'll look them up and I can usually tell, okay, they're quicker than spec Miata. I'm going to watch this video. That's kind of my standard. Got to be right, quick. Right. You know, it's funny. You, you just, I was, I was thinking about, man, had Terry Fair recorded every race with a, a GoPro in the front of his car or behind him so people could see, A, your footwork, or B, throttle control, right, and how you're steering and how quick you got to react uh, when you feel something in the wheel. A lot of people don't realize that. Um, but, man, if they could watch you and learn, 
right? There's kids making millions of dollars watching, you know, having other kids watch them play sure. Fortnite, right? People could watch you race, <laughs> Terry. Had you recorded every one of them, you could be a multi-millionaire and people just watch well, you, you race. Know, luckily, I have uh, recorded almost every event I've been to in the past 20 years at least. You've got to get them online. Videos, and, and I've got a big YouTube page. I don't push it. I don't promote it. I'm not trying to get likes and shares and doing all the things you have to do. But we try to show that. And and recently, we just came up with a dual camera setup that can show the driver and you can see their hands and how much you're moving. Uh, I need to do a foot cam because I do a lot of left foot braking when I'm not downshifting. Yep, and yep. that's just something I learned from autocross. Mm-hmm. But I do it on a road course because you're not losing that quarter second from your right foot going from the gas to the right, brake. Right. You just transition from one to the other immediately. And it's especially on a time attack kind of setup, it's worth fractions of a second. But a tenth here, a tenth there could be a half hey, second that's up. margin. So yeah. that kind of stuff is good. Yeah, yeah, man, that'd be great. Yeah, I'd love to see that because uh, I kind of go back and forth between right? my style. <laughs> you know, I can kind of left foot, and I can right, and I can heel toe. But it's like, you know, once I get out there on the track and so much stuff's going on, and I don't get enough mm-hmm. track time to just, you know, dial it and nail it in. So each time I go out there, I'm like, God, how am I driving? And it, it kind of works itself out by the time I'm done. But I'm like, did I, did I do that the best I could? <laughs> you know, <laughs> how would a better guy have done that? You know? Okay. It's all about seat time, seat time. Yeah, Terry man. will tell you that. But right now we're out of time. We got to go to a break. When we come back, more with Terry Fair. Man, knowledge. We're learning something. Grab your pen. You'll need it. We'll take a break. Be back. It's the Two Guys Ride podcast with Kevin Bird and Willie B. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie Beers, presented by CarParts.com. We have Terry Fair from Borsog Motorsports. you got to go find this online. Now, Terry, i, I got to ask, man, what was it that went from enthusiast, a uh, guy that's passionate about track days, weekend times, and so forth, to actually sort of motivating you to start a business, uh, become a business in this crazy automotive thing? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I was a, an avid participant in, track days and autocross and time trial. And uh, an opportunity came up where uh, a buddy of mine um, had a business for sale and he had a suspension business making these camber caster plates, which go on top of a strut suspension and help you do uh, suspension alignment. And uh, we bought his company and I had done his website. I knew him, we were you know, friends in college and, and roommates after college. And we've taken that suspension business and really grown it. We brought a shop company in from Holland that had no representation in North America. We became their distributor and that kind of grew and grew and grew. Uh, at, at one point we actually split the business because I was really wanting to concentrate on our products and the LS swaps, which Kevin knew me from for you know, 15, 16 plus years ago. Uh, that's kind of how we met was we were doing LS swaps and BMWs and that whole community wanted to burn my house down because they were, you know, <laughs> that's, that's just a travesty. <laughs> but until I took a few people for rides and then they kind of got it, but this big, you know, this little V8 that looks so small under the hood of these BMWs just could make so much power. Uh, and, and that kind of grew in its own thing. And, and we kind of did the LS thing, you know, kind of as a lark. We didn't really think it would ever take off. And by 07, when we had our first production kits, we've been in back order since. I mean, it's just constantly... I need more headers and more motor mounts. I just hired a second fabricator uh, three days ago, or Friday last week, just to help keep up with production demand. So the suspension thing was always a big thing. That's still probably our biggest moneymaker. The LS swap kits was was huge. Building race cars was just a fun thing we we started doing in 2011. You know, customers saw our builds and like, well, why don't you work on our cars? 
that kind of took off when I moved to my first commercial shop and we never stopped since well, then. Well, you've got LS swaps for just about every practical BMW out there. You even have them for the FRS BRZ, which is, God, that's a killer platform. Yeah, I can see it in the background. Uh, we're on video here, man. And you even have LS swaps for, oh God, S550 Mustangs. <laughs> Come on, man. At least that one had a good motor to start with. So there's reasons behind all that. I don't just do it out of spite. (laughs) I don't just do it to trigger people. Uh, We started with the BMW. We did an E36. I saw your E30, which was just beautiful, next level stuff. And we said, well, we could do that. And it was much harder than we thought. So we we don't always end up in production with some of the ones we do one-off. You know, but then it kind of grew and we started doing, you know, beyond just BMWs. Uh, and yeah, I did the, I raced an S550 Mustang, a 2018 Mustang for, for two years in NASA. We did pretty well. And we just kind of hit a limit of, you know, like 485 of the wheels is about all we can get with headers and cold air. And the class I was in, I needed to make like another 60, 70 horsepower. And that's just not possible with that boost. Uh, and that yeah, supercharger, turbocharger on a road course has got a lot of challenges. So I did the natural thing. And when we got like eight cars in the shop with LSs, I'm like, well, let's just stick one in here. And we went and bought a salvage chassis 2015 Mustang and it just fell into place. The T56 Magnum XL and LS looks tiny under the hood of these cars. And I can literally stand in front and on either side of the engine with the headers on. <laughs> it's so small. But, you know, uh, guys that do these big displacement engines, like Four Star Research, they're doing 468 cubic inch LSs with stock blocks. And, and you can make a whole lot of power. We've got one in here now, a 468 powered LS7, which makes 686 of the wheels on 93 octane, no crazy tricks, uh, a plastic intake, so no high ram or anything, all fits under the hood. So that kind of power you just can't do in a, in a Coyote or, or a Voodoo or any of those. Um, and it with four cams on, on you know, the Coyote or four V8, everything's just so much more expensive. They're really displacement limited. You know, like a five point two is a stroker. Yeah, man. We're well, not gonna get you're not gonna get any knock from us because uh, we're both we're both LS swappers ourselves. And, uh, man, there's a place for it, I tell you. For you, when you you know you got in on the 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 early, I guess, growth of it, the genesis of everybody. You know, the whole LS yeah. swap the world, you know, type uh, type line of thinking. He's a founder, was man. He was one of the yeah. you know he's Christopher Columbus sailing across the ocean, you know, with big waves and stuff. Well, was it really cool for you to watch that mushroom cloud explode that, you know, that take off? Because I imagine you on the ground level there, just seeing the, the, the curve of, of that and just the, the crazy, like, you know, massive vertical line and people's interest for that swap. It had to be quite an experience for you and your company. It was, you know, I started uh, doing an LS swap in 2000, 21 years ago in my garage before I'd started Borschlag and I just had a website. It wasn't really a business. And I got a lot of pushback from the BMW community, you know, a lot. Um, but then I just kept building it, kept building it. By the time we got it running, people were like, well, that's kind of, is it really that big a displacement and how much power? And we went to our first NASA time trial event with a junkyard 5.7 LS1, nothing special, stock cam. It made like 340, 350 of the wheels. And we set the fastest time of the day at a brand new track in a junkyard motored E36. 
BMW that just didn't look all that. It had three fifteens on it, no arrow, and we just show up as fast. That's what I got. I got a LS swap E thirty six man. So I I love that car. I love that package. That is a phenomenal handling little car, and I can see how you did it, man. A little suspension. It doesn't take much, especially when you got that power under the hood. That's a great application. Yeah, and that's what we always look at when we're looking at new swaps. We look at the chassis, and, and the E36 had fundamentally great suspension, really good brakes, ABS, a really strong axle. And we always kind of go through that evaluation every time. What's your favorite swap combo? Uh, and, you know, from just once it's done, just everything comes together and the car feels great. Is it the BRZ? Is it the BMW? What, what's your favorite out of all of those? What's just a righteous combination? Who's your favorite child? You know, it's kind of hard to pick a favorite. <laughs> they all have good qualities. The E36, you know, they made 3 million of those. We've done a left-hand drive and a right-hand drive. I really like that. That was what we started with. So we've always got one of those in process here. But the E46 BMW, they made 4 million of those. Um, that's probably been our biggest seller. And it ends up being such a nice package. It's, it's a little heavier, but a couple inches wider than E36. It ends up 25, 2,600 pounds in race form. It's just hard to say no when you've got a Miata weight with, you know, five, six hundred horsepower the wheels. Uh, it's it's just a really good package. Yeah, it's hard to go wrong. Well, kind of curious, how's that BRZ stand up, right? Because the BMW just seems like the no-brainer, like, duh. Sure. But yeah. with that benchmark, you know, where does the BRZ kind of come in? Because it's, it's smaller. It, it I assume it should be lighter, but... You know, then the day it's, track width, all these things come into yeah. play, you know, weight balance. The, the 86, the BRZ, FRS, and the eight, GT86 now. The 86 chassis came out in 2012. Uh, one of my employees bought one immediately, and we we did suspension development and realized this is really big track width. It can swallow a lot of tire, good brake system. Engine's just a neat, you know, the two-liter Subaru, non-turbo. Mm -hmm. Doesn't make any 100 Real high compression, hard to boost, yeah, you know. 12 and a half to one, you can't boost it, it just blows up, so... The FA20 has just got some problems and they're still there. Um, and they never did a turbocharged version. They never will. It's kind of a parts bin car. So it's got a little bit of Subaru, a little bit of Toyota. Um, the rear end's kind of questionable. That's one of the things we're working on on my, my wife's car that you see behind me. We want to do a Super 88 kind of an S550 so it can have some torque go through it uh, for because that's a, a 454 stroker LS or put in that. Um, so it does have some pluses and minuses. The, the transmission doesn't have any place to mount a transmission cross member and we use a t56 magnum xl because it's a super long distance from the firewall to the shifter location is pretty long so that's a challenge but it ends up being so light her car was 2612 stock i mean that's really light with no that was bone stock now it's got 1812s and big flares and it, it gained a teeny bit of weight but in the end it'll be lighter than almost any of the swaps we've ever done just because it starts out so light so it's it's a good chassis it's got a few limitations, a few challenges, uh, but yeah, once it's once it's swapped, it, it's a pretty clean combination. But you guys are working it out. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, man, I, I I got plenty. There's plenty of people that you know you can read about and and talk about doing some of these LS swaps with some of the newer stuff. What's blown you away about something you've done in something a little bit older, or you've seen in something a little bit older that really was. Man, whether it was the fit, um, the suspension you could put underneath it, what's something that kind of blew you away in an older platform? You know, the, the first-gen Camaros and the first-gen Mustangs, there's been a lot of, of movement in that field. We started a first-gen Camaro tube-frame car uh, a few, uh, several years ago, and that build is running and driving and done. And it's pretty amazing. 
Um, but yeah, some of the work you see out there, uh, you know, like Detroit Speed and, and, and the Ring Brothers, they're doing some crazy stuff in muscle cars. And that's what I grew up in in high school. And as the company has, you know, grown and matured, we're kind of looking back at some of those older cars. And we've got a 67 Mustang we've done now with some crazy modern suspension and, and ABS and some things that you just don't typically see. So I'm excited to attack those cars. What about, have you seen the surge in not necessarily the the first tier old school muscle cars, right? The the Gen 1 Camaro, the Mustang. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about like yeah. just weird things. <laughs> it could be a 72 Mercedes. It could be a, you know, something nobody's thinking about, right? And all of a sudden you put a, a decent performance-based, you know, power plant under something to LS, right? With a little a, a little cam, a little head action. And, and all yeah. of a sudden, you know, a Tremec fits in there really well. And all of a sudden you got a contender that you necessarily wouldn't think about. Yeah, there, there's several cars out there that, that have piqued my interest and, and you know, I've seen a few builds and I can always pick them apart. But yeah, there's some 60s cars, some early 60s cars that would uh, even some German cars, early, early BMWs I want to attack. And then there's some 80s cars like the Fox Mustang. They're really just chomping at the bit to do some of that. And, and there's a lot of swaps out there. I think Holly does a few kits in-house, but uh, we have some some plans for that that include some modern suspension and some other things that I'm excited about. Really? For the old Fox body? Oh, Fox bodies, man. I've had like six of them. Oh. I, I, it's all I drove through college and then third gen commercials. I just got one. They're, they're <laughs> awesome little car. And light, you know, that was a 2,900, 3,000 pound car back in the day with an iron engine block and heads and all. And I can't wait to to do an LS in one of those. We did a Coyote swap up with a customer before on one of those. And it's just a gigantic engine, that little car. But an LS just falls right in. And, you know, with the right transmission and suspension and brake upgrades, It'd be a nice little sleeper for sure. Well, that's what kind of made those cars is they were so light because uh, they oh, have yeah. a lot of shortcomings, you know, yeah. a lot of shortcomings in the suspension and everything else. But man, they yeah. were just so light that, you know, hey, this is kind of working here. A little, little crude and ugly, <laughs> but hey, it's it's getting the job done. They had four shocks in the back. How could that be wrong? <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. Well, yeah. you know, I don't know if we got much time to dive into some of the real good stuff that you guys, you know, manufacture. I've got you know, a set of your camber plates on my, you know, E30 uh, LS swap BMW. And man, they kick ass. They're probably the best camber plates I think I've ever owned. I actually bought a set for the build and sent them back because they were garbage, not yours, but another competitor. And I was like, man, when I hit yours, I'm like, that's it, man. So what all your, what all are you manufacturing right now? And what we'll have to do is bring you back and, sure. and talk about, you know, a couple of different platforms and what's the best way to set them up, right? What's the best yeah. way, what's the best mods, you know, setting them up, tuning them, et cetera, uh, to really go out there and do that, uh, you know, high-speed corner carving. Yeah, I think we've done 40 different chassis now uh, since we started making camera plates. I mean, the original ones are from like 03, 04, uh, with my buddy's company, and then we bought him in 05 and just expanded it, changed the manufacturing today, uh, right? I can see it out the window from my lobby. There's a G20, the 2018 and newer three series gargantuan car, completely different. It's got a cast aluminum strut tower. So we, we're literally putting prototype plates on and, and Jason, my head engineer, just gave me the thumbs up saying everything looks good. So we're constantly coming out with new products because of the surge of orders we've had during this crazy time. We've had to put the brakes on and actually sit on a few prototypes. Uh, but we did like the fifth gen Supra, which is a BMW. Uh, we've got an F56 Mini. We've got a lot of new cars coming out. I'm really excited. CNC in them in the house for the last eight years uh, and, and cutting out all the, the next thing I need to get to laser cutting. That's the last piece of the puzzle we need. 
that's the only toy you don't right. have. I mean, yeah. I don't feel bad for you. I'm just saying, you know, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> but I know you'll be there. You know, watching you grow the last 16, 18 years has been amazing. So I'll be next time I talk to you, be like, dude, I got three of those laser machines. Like, <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> Yeah. I got laser machines in China. <laughs> so are you, uh, on your manufacturing, are you just doing the camera plates or are you guys doing other components and, and things as well? Because you have everything for suspension and you have, you know, the kits and the setups that are dialed in. So you can kind of get on there for whatever vehicle, you know, you're huge into BMWs, but again, the Mustangs and Corvettes and Camaros, like, you know, when I look through there, I'm like, yup, you've got that, you've got that, you've got that. Like it is the right kind of configuration sure yeah shocks are a big thing and we don't make those in-house we tried that for a little while it wasn't really our specialty but we work with some really good shock makers in Owens and motion control and bill stein and uh we kind of make everything to make those fit the car the right height adjusters and the shock mounts and the, and the strut mounts we make all that from a miata corvette that doesn't have struts to all the strut cars subarus and bmws and minis everything so that keeps us really busy we private label some camera plates from some big suspension company, so I'm not allowed to name. And and we're just so overwhelmed that uh, we've had to you know, not keep producing new products because we can't keep up with the volume. So we're we're expanding as quickly as we can without outgrowing this this latest building that we're in. And I just keep hiring more people and we keep you know trying to keep up with demand. It's crazy man. Vorse so Vorslag Motorsports or Vorslag hyphen store.com how do people find you online socially uh kind of keep up with what you're doing yeah we really got a, a big facebook presence uh you know on the Vorschlag page my personal page i've got four thousand friends and i i keep informed with memes and car pictures all day uh, a big youtube channel that's Vorschlag. um we have a blog we have a forum We've kind of got that. That's kind of where I started and, and you know, 20 plus years ago was really big in the forums and I'm still not letting that one go. Uh, but you can find us all over. I'm on 400 different Facebook groups at any given time. So I, I'm pretty busy in the day trying to keep up with all the questions and, and helping customers. Do Absolutely. Vorslag spelled V-O-R-S-H-L-A-G. Vorslag. So you can go to Vorschlag.com and go Vorschlag-store.com. Uh, just track this guy down because it'd be worth it. Uh, his components, his parts, and his knowledge all waiting uh, for you guys to absorb. Uh, hey, man, we thank you for your time, uh, your knowledge, and we're definitely going to have you back on again. Yeah, That's great fun. catching up with you, all man. Right, man. There you go. Hey, don't forget about our show here on weekends on the Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings. Episodes also now streaming on Motor Trend On Demand, which is always a great way to find us. Thanks to our guest, Terry Fair, our producer, Scoop, and executive producer, Bob Ecker. Yeah, don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com. You know, share your thoughts with us. We're on social, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Two Guys Garage. Now, the Two Guys Garage podcast, it's copyrighted, 2021, Britain Productions Incorporated, all rights reserved. Nice, dude. Man, I want to go get the hot rod out and do some wheeling. I'm kind of jazzed up for some, you know, lefts, some rights, some well, man, some goes, some stops. I got, I'm a I'm a pick Terry's mind. I, I've got other LS swaps in mind. Yeah. Give me that. Give uh, me some ideas. I'll tell you if it's good or bad. Early Mercedes '72. That would be so cool. That would be old school German tank with modern V8. I've been itching to do one of those. I just can't make a business case for it. You know, I got this hey, whole man. business thing I got to do now. So. Bro, I'm going to do it and make a drifting car out of it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey. 
Terry, man, much appreciative of, of, of all the knowledge you shared today. We'll definitely be talking to you again soon, man. Good deal. Thanks, Willie. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Terry. Guys, have a great one. We'll see you on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. Two Guys Garage podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.